Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. And we got a lot to talk about this week. Um, I'm sports editor Dan Diodano, along with our assistant sports editor Will Kennedy. Uh, we've got college football. We've got the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. We've got high school football playoffs, volleyball titles on the line, soccer, uh, soccer teams making unexpected runs. We've got uh, just about everything this week, it seems like, Will. Um, so let's start with the Michigan, Michigan state game though. That's before we get to all the local stuff, just cause that was obviously the most talked about matchup ahead of time than it has been in a long time. First time they've both been in the top 10 heading into their matchup since 1964. Yeah. Uh, the game lived up to his hi- its hype as far as being a close game and an exciting game, uh, with Michigan state, uh, you know, winning, I did not. What was it 37 to 30 or 37 to 33? 37-33. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible that it was that close, which is yeah. exciting. But also, I really did not expect both of those teams to score in the 30s. Uh, uh, I I kind of did. I mean, I, I I didn't I didn't know both of them would, but I, I thought it would be a relatively high scoring game. I didn't think it would be like, you know, your traditional big 10, 10 to 7 or, or 7 to right. 3. I didn't expect right. that at all. That would have been a shocker, but uh right. No, right. I don't think either defense is quite good enough for that. No, I mean Michigan's defense is fantastic with with guys like Aiden Hutchinson and stuff. Um, but you know Kenneth Walker, man, Kenneth Walker does Kenneth Walker things, and if right. there's ever a moment in the 2021 football season that can be classified as a Heisman moment, I think it's going ahead and rushing for 200 yards and five touchdowns on your rival in a top 10 matchup. I, right, I right. It's it could possibly get better than that. Right. It made me think of a lot of things that happen in that rivalry and some of the other rivalry games like that. Like, uh, I feel like, if, oh gosh, it, I'm dating myself now, but it was probably at least 10 years ago now. But uh, Braylon Edwards single-handedly seemed like he beat Michigan State with catching, leaping to catch that, to send it in overtime. And then he caught a couple of leaping touchdowns in the overtimes to beat yeah. Michigan State where it seemed like Michigan State was in control, and then Braylon Edwards was like, nah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is incredibly fun when a player can be that dynamic in a game. Yeah. Um, Michigan had another one like that against Ohio State. There was one year where uh, Tim Biakabatuka had 300 and some rushing yards yeah. against them when they were both uh, ranked real high Michigan and Ohio State, and that just was very unexpected. It's not like when – you know, Charles Woodson returned a punt against Ohio State or when yeah. uh, Desmond Howard did the same thing and won the Heisman and put the Heisman pose on and everything like that. Those are great, great elite players, but you expected those guys going into the game to do something like that. No one expected. I mean, Tim Biakabatu is great running back, you know, got drafted in the NFL, you know, and played a few years and whatever, but like was, and was great at Michigan, but nobody was like, you know what? I think you might get 300 yards against Ohio State. <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that, I mean, this was one of those situations where it's like you you fully expect Kenneth Walker to be the 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 the, the guy for Michigan State's offense, which you know he was. Peyton Thorne had 196 yards passing and no touchdowns. Kenneth Walker had 197 yards rushing and five touchdowns. So right, he, it's he outgained the rest of the entire team right by himself. Uh, which you know I don't I don't know if you expected that much. I expected you know you expected, no I expected him to be a playmaker for sure. But I mean yeah, I, I expected him to have a big game. I didn't expect him to have that big of a game. Right. I don't I don't think either team had somebody going in that was expected to dominate single handedly. I mean some years t- both teams have that. Um, you know like you knew. Uh, like a couple years ago for Michigan State, you knew that Shalit Calhoun was <laughs> was gonna was gonna you know, be all over Michigan's quarterback all night. And you you expected those kind of things and you expected, you know, certain people to have certain games. And yeah, I mean, mean, for me, this was very much like going into it as a, all right, Kenneth Walker has talked about the Heisman conversation a decent amount. Like he he deserves to be, I mean, it's kind of like Kenneth Walker, Matt Corral, Ole Miss's quarterback and a couple other guys who have been talked about in in that conversation. Um, It's like, all right, it's Kenneth Walker for real. Like they've played a few halfway decent teams. Um, and he's popped off against all of them, but this is the best team he's faced by by a quarter mile. And he just went down to like, yeah, no, I'm I'm the Heisman front runner now. Like this is this is my right, right. Yeah. And that's uh, that's huge to to have. And you know, every Heisman, pretty much every Heisman. I mean, there's there's definitely some people that just have had just been so good all the time that you just kind of knew it was them. But like 
that doesn't happen that often. But every most Heisman Trophy winners have a signature game or moment. Well, that's what I'm saying. This was his Heisman moment. This was it. This was absolutely it. And, and the crazy thing is, he still has Ohio State on the schedule. Um, I think Penn State on the schedule. Yep, both of I those mean, teams. So. I mean, the, the Big Ten East is going to implode on itself, and I think Kenneth Walker is going to be the last man standing. It's very possible. I mean, if he can, you know, kind of put everybody on his back and carry everybody. I mean, in it, big uh, moments, that's that's the difference. I mean, sometimes the, that's all it takes. I mean, you know, you never know when you're going to have one of those nights where, you know, you're down and game six and Kirby Puckett <laughs> says, all right, everybody jump on my back. I'm carrying you. And he yeah. makes a game winning game saving catch and then hits the hits a walk off home run in extra innings to send it to the next <laughs> to game seven. Yeah. So there's some awesomeness to that. Like, it's not just, yeah, he's really good, but the fact that he has established himself as the carrying the team level of elite is awesome because I don't remember the last time. I mean, maybe Shalit Calhoun kind of, but I don't know when the last time Michigan state really had that at this level, like at this level at, at, against the best competition yeah. that you can do that. And that's, um, that's awesome. That's awesome when a team can, can, can show that. And then it makes it more fun for everybody to watch because people gravitate toward that, you know, like people, um, people, it, it that's like, think about like when Charles Woodson won the Heisman trophy. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, it was in 97. So, uh, but like first defensive player to win, right? But he had signature moments, and then people started gravitating toward him, and then they kept coming. Yeah. So we're getting the gravitation now here. Yeah. If he can keep doing that and keep you know living up to the hype, now it doesn't necessarily have to be at the maximum elite level every game, but like if he can make big plays and big moments, then. That's going to be who the voters remember. That's going to, that's half of it with the Heisman trophy. It's not all based on stats. A lot of it is this, those signature moments and what is lasting in the memory of the voters. Yeah. I mean, their, their schedule coming the last four weeks of the season. I mean, obviously November is where the rubber hits the road in college football. Um, this is going to be their first name in November. They have Purdue coming up this week, which is a tough team. Like they're, they just knocked out of the top 25, but they're a good team. They can beat tough opponents. Yeah, they beat Iowa. November 13th, which is kind of like, okay, that's a big trap game because the next week after that, they got Ohio State at the Horseshoe, uh, right? which is big. And then to close the season, uh, weekend of Thanksgiving, they got Penn State, which played Ohio State tough this week. So, I mean, they got good teams. Three, three of the four games are, are, are good teams, and that fourth is a, a clear trap game with Ohio State on the horizon. So, right. I mean, they, they got they got a really tough schedule coming up. But I think the, the most frustrating thing about this game, if you're a Michigan fan, is that Michigan played its best game. Michigan played its best game it could possibly envision playing, and they still lost. Yeah. Um, I mean, weren't they, up, weren't they up like thirty to fourteen? They were up by fourteen in the third, late third quarter. Yeah, they're that's ridiculous. In the late third quarter. Um, I mean, Cade McNamara had nearly 400 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, you know, Hassan Haskins and, and Blake Quorum are two running backs. They got shut down a little bit. Uh, they didn't really go to him a ton. I mean, 14 carries for 59 yards, 13 carries for 45 yards. I mean, per average, I mean, 4.2 and 3.5 yards on average. Like, that's fine. That's decent. 3.5 is less so. But 4.2, if you're getting 4.2 yards a carry, you're going to keep feeding them and you're going to pop some. Um, right. But I, this, this brings a lot of questions back to Harbaugh. Cause you know, everybody was sort of talking about that Harbaugh resurgence this year and, and how he's gotten better and, and how he's, you know, turned the corner. And now, I mean, what's his record against rivals in, in Michigan state and, and, and Ohio state? Like, does he have two wins total in that and over them? I mean, he lost to Michigan state last year, who was a terrible team that had two wins. Um, and, and if you're looking back on it now in hindsight, like, yeah, Michigan played great this year, but their schedule was so weak. Right. Their schedule was so weak. And don't get me wrong, they played a good game here. Um, like I said, it's the best possible game they could have played and they could have hoped for. Just dumb mistakes like, you know, 
Cade McNamara was quarterback all day. He had JJ McCarthy package here and there. It was the freshman who's kind of like a dynamic playmaker running the ball. Um, then, you know, first and 10, you know, tie game, you put him in the backfield and there's a mishandled snap. Michigan state recovers, go down, score the winning touchdown. So like, it's these things like, all right, games on the line. Why are you getting cute? With right. Throwing JJ McCarthy in instead of just keeping Cade McNamara, who's been working, who's been working like, yeah, they, they have scored a few unanswered points on you, but like Cade McNamara got you to this point, JJ McCarthy, you know, he right. threw 23 yards at this point and right. ran for seven. Like, why are you why are you putting him in when it's crunch time when JJ right. Cade McNamara is is winning right especially when you're not looking to break something open you're looking oh. to keep control of the ball it's a tie game <clears throat> fourth quarter late fourth quarter you're trying to just march down the field drain clock and get a field goal win not do anything crazy not go up by like a, a, an insurmountable amount you're trying to drain clock go down, kick a field goal, and hopefully get a touchdown and just shut the game out. But get cute, have a mishandled snap. Michigan State recovers in Michigan territory, go down score with another Kenneth Walker touchdown, and that, that's it. And that, you know, that, that, again, questions about Harbaugh. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, right. are you really this guy who's made this resurgence, or are you just benefiting from a terrible schedule to start the season? Right, right. And I, I think that uh... – I think both sides of that are a little bit overblown. I think that yes, the they are benefiting from having a weaker schedule. Oh, they absolutely. But they also didn't necessarily know it was going to be weaker. They didn't know Wisconsin wasn't going to be as good as they were going to be. They didn't know Washington wasn't as good as they're going to be, uh, or as you know as they've been. So, but but again, that's doesn't take away from the fact that yes, they're still it's still a much weaker schedule. No, but I, also, I, I'm just referring to that in terms of the, the narrative that's been created around Michigan as a term. As, right. As a, this whole right. Right. I mean, I don't think schedule. It's like, are they right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and like I, I just it's <clears throat> it's it's I thought this game was like throughout the game. I was like, no matter what happens, this game's finally going to not be about Harbaugh. <laughs> and then it was a little. So it's about Kenneth Walker. And then it's about <clears throat> right. But like from a Michigan perspective, you know, oh, like that he, you know, I don't know. I'm just that that conversation always just vexes me because yeah, I don't think he's as good of a coach as people thought, and I think we can more of us are agreeing day by day with that yeah. over the years. But at the same time, I don't think he's a bad coach either. No, and, and that's, the whole, that's the whole conundrum of Michigan. Like, yeah, if you get rid of him, like, who are you replacing him with? Like, right, right. I I don't, and I don't think everything over the years is on him. I think plenty is on him, but at the same time, certain amount of, you know, players, the players got to win and lose the game, you know, at at, at a certain point. The biggest thing with Harbaugh is, I mean, what is this year six for him? I think Um, six or seven, he comes in as this guy, like you're developing quarterbacks, like you develop quarterbacks everywhere you've been. Michigan has not had a, a, a halfway decent quarterback until now in year six. Right, and I I never figured that out because he himself was a great quarterback. Yeah, that's what that's what he he kind of sold his whole coaching career on is is making great quarterbacks. I mean, Alex Smith went down; he changed his entire offense to fit Colin Kaepernick and made it to a Super Bowl. And right. that's what good coaches do: you fit right. into talent. You don't fit talent into a, a peg, a square peg into a round hole to fit your scheme. You you scheme right. the talent and. I mean, he's been doing that here and there. He's changed coaching staff, changed schemes a little bit on offense, but it's just he hasn't been able to take a quarterback from a raw prospect to a polished, finished college passer. Right. He hasn't been able to get it done. And that's the thing that's like, this is what you were brought here to do. Why haven't right. you done it? Right. That, to me, that's the biggest – I agree with you. That's the biggest thing against uh, – the you know, I'm not working against Harbaugh is that that you got to be able to – like. If, you know, if Barry Sanders was your coach, they better darn well have a good running back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just doesn't – it doesn't make any sense to me that that development hasn't happened, especially because he's had time now. It's not yeah. like it's really it's not quickly. Like the recruiting classes. And there's been several people. Like, yeah. and so – and that also comes down to it. You know, so much is made of his recruiting at the beginning with all the – you know, were some of the things violations and how much was he doing and all the stuff he was doing on social media and trying to make, you know, things fun on social media and everything was surrounding this. 
to me, it seemed like he's doing a good job trying to recruit. But at the same time, not only has he not developed a great quarterback, he's getting out recruited for the quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's a thing with, with college football where it's just, you know, if you don't have the tangible success, it's going to be harder to recruit. I mean, if you're if you're out and you're Michigan and you're recruiting against Ohio State, nine times out of 10, you're going to lose that battle just because they have the playoff appearances. They have the big 10 titles. They have the, the recent history. They have the, the, what I think Michigan in my lifetime, I just turned 27 Michigan's beaten Ohio state like four times or something like that. Oh, that's, Oh, that's awful. It, it's something absurd like that. It's in the single digits. Um, and this, the current streak now is absurd. So these kids growing up who are 18, 17, signing their name to that piece of paper saying where I'm going to go. They've maybe seen Michigan win once. So, right. like, why are you going to go attach your name to this thing that's, I mean, all due respect to Michigan fans listening, it's an inferior product in the year 2021. It's an inferior program in the year 2021 if you compare it to Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State just has that constant turnover. And Michigan's going after the same kids as Ohio State, Alabama. I mean, just because they have that program prestige. But why are you not winning? It's because you don't have that recent history. You have the prestige. You're, you're sort of Notre Dame except Notre Dame's getting it done on the field recently too, and Michigan just hasn't. Right. I mean, when's the last time Michigan won the Big Ten? They haven't been to a Big Ten title game since the new format. So. Right. I mean, and even Michigan State did that, won that, and made the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean, like, they were in the – Michigan State's been in the college football playoff, and Michigan – They haven't scored a point in the college football playoff, but they have been in. (laughs) Right. Uh, So it's it's just – and I know that Michigan was – that fourth and inches call against Ohio state away from making the playoff that one year. That was, yeah. I mean, well, they got to go ahead and win the big 10 title game that year too. You're not in the playoff automatically. Right? No, no, I know. But like that, they, um, they're not even making the big 10 title game no. most of the time. I mean, well, cause they're, that's, that's hard. It, it usually the big 10 East comes down to a three team race of Michigan, Penn state and Ohio state. And Ohio State yeah. usually just wins out because they are just right. Dominant. And Michigan State took over Penn State's spot for a few years there. Yeah, and I would say this year probably. I mean, Penn State's still a decent team this year, right? But you can't lose to Illinois and try to make the Big Ten title game, right? But I mean, like nobody. I mean, no, no fans aren't fooled. They know that yeah. half the time the Michigan Michigan State. I mean, the Michigan Ohio State game has been the Big Ten title game. Yeah. I mean, um, but, in half the time these in, in, in the past 10 years, I would say half the time the game's over before it begins. I mean, right. What's going to happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. And Ohio, Michigan State, Ohio State has had that game a couple of times, too, where that kind of came down to it that way, too. But it's still just a weird uh, dynamic. I hate that about the Big Ten. I mean, I know they were trying to do East and West for the most part. But I mean, when let's see, at least. At least four of the top five teams over the last quarter century are on one side. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to work. No, it's less than I do. Not going to work. It's not going to work. Um, it's always a ton of fun, though, because nobody ever knows what the heck's going to happen. Right. I mean, especially this year. Like, like for a while, it was just like, well, Wisconsin's going to be in the title game every year, and well, they were for a few. Always assumes that Wisconsin hasn't been that. But they, they haven't, yeah, that and that's year. that's left things open. And then and then this year, you're like, okay, well, it's Iowa's to lose. Well, Iowa's losing it. it was uh, now it's Minnesota's in the lead. Minnesota. Minnesota's in the lead. Purdue pulled some upsets. Team. Wisconsin, Wisconsin took it to Iowa this week. Yeah. Like. It's just a weird, weird situation, though, that just I do like, like you're saying, I like the who knows what's happening in the West, the Wild West, which is fun. But at the well, same it's time, it's like at the same time, you realize that, like, yeah, the West is great as this, as this, you know, sectioned off bubble of football. It's so fun and it's hilarious. It's sort of right. like the ACC Coastal where you never know what's going to happen. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, just like whoever wins the ACC Coastal in most years, they're going to go in the ACC title game and get smacked by Clemson. Just like, right. you know, whoever wins the Big Ten West is going to go into the Big Ten title game and get smacked by Ohio State. Right. Maybe this year, Michigan State. Whoever wins it is going to get smacked right. by either Michigan State or Ohio State. Right. But as of right now. It's Minnesota. I, I would say it's pretty clear. If it's Minnesota's in the lead, I would say it's pretty clear right now that Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State are all better than Minnesota. I would. I don't know about Penn State or Michigan. I mean, Penn State just lost to Illinois at home. 
I still think they're better than Minnesota. I think as a whole team, yeah. But I think you, yeah. I think as as an. I mean, Michigan, Michigan's still a one loss top ten team. Yes, but that that and Ohio State is too. He's not that good of a team, but Ohio State's Ohio State as the season has gone on has gotten better. Penn State has gotten worse. Michigan right. is sort of I don't know because they haven't played anybody good. Right. Yeah. That that'll be the determining factor. But I mean, they we could have another classic Harbaugh season where they beat everybody but Michigan State and Ohio State. They're absolutely if if Ohio State keeps up this trajectory, that's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, Michigan's going to get absolutely smacked by Ohio State if if that keeps up and when they meet. In four, yeah. Three Absolutely, and and it'll be another Harbaugh season. Beat everybody but Ohio State and Michigan State, and then that's when the AD has a decision to make. I feel like Harbaugh's really lucky they don't also play Notre Dame every year anymore. Yeah, Notre Dame. That, they, they, they could but be still, there. but still, with his record and rivalries, that would just be another rivalry to get beat on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Notre Dame's always consistent. And this comes from someone who grew up as a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame's always consistently overrated and not very good. Um, yeah, but I miss I miss that rivalry though. That was always a fun one. It was my mom it was good because my mom's a Michigan fan. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Um, and I went to the last Michigan Notre Dame game at Notre Dame Stadium until like I think two or three years ago when they brought it back for just like a one off, right? Um, and Notre Dame won like 38 nothing or something. It was it was a blowout. Um, but that was pre Harbaugh, I believe. I think that was the yeah. same before Harbaugh, yeah. And it just was it just was a wild, just a wild situation. I mean, like I missed that. Like, so I grew up. I'm not necessarily a Michigan fan. I mean, I grew up in Ann Arbor, but just the hype, there was a, you didn't have to build up like, you know, sometimes a soccer game just builds up to a goal. The the energy is just there and you're waiting for this goal like Michigan and Ohio state, but they didn't have that. You had right away in the first two weeks, you had Notre Dame. Yeah. And then you had a couple weeks off and then you had Michigan state. And then yeah. you had a couple weeks off and then you had Ohio state. Yeah. And it was like, there was always that, dynamic and growing up Penn state, they played most years and they were always good too. Um, so like you didn't have, you had the rivalries were just naturally spaced out where you had one at every point. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was, that was pretty fun. And just basically, especially the way this Michigan schedule has been the last couple of years, I really wish they'd bring the Notre Dame game back just because yeah. um, who doesn't want to see that? You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I, that that just bothers me about that's, the. That's what you get as a Notre Dame fan, even today. I mean, yeah, Michigan's not there, but I think Notre Dame sort of is everybody's rival because sort of, they're sort of the Dallas Cowboys of college football. Like either you right. hate them or you love them. Um, and I mean, they have like seven rivals, and I don't even know which one's the biggest. I argue that USC is probably the biggest. Right. Like, like you play USC, you play Navy for some reason as a rival. You play um, like Stanford's a rival. And right. like, you know, all these different rivalries. And just, right. And they would usually play Michigan and Michigan state. Yeah. They used to, I don't, I don't, they don't play them. Yeah. Anymore, but, but it's just like, right. all right. When, when half your season is against rivals, like good Lord. Right. <laughs> right. Focus your energy on hating one of them. Right. Right. Well, they each had a, they were just rivals for a different reason too. So yeah, that maybe one is really cool. I, I think, cause I, I believe that started in like, World War II when, when the Naval Academy was like, we'll play you guys if like, cause they didn't have enough, play- Notre Dame didn't have enough players or something, or maybe World War One. And I was like, we'll, we'll play you guys to like keep, you know, the, the football, uh, keep you guys having a football season or a football program or something like that. So then there's like, all right, we'll play you every year from now on after this. So it just sort of continued like that, which is right. really cool. I've really, obviously right. Notre Dame always wins it just because of, you know, the talent they're able to recruit as opposed to the Naval Academy. Um, right. But yeah, the rest of them. I mean, Michigan Notre Dame is just obviously a geographical rival, and it's a lot of fun. And they're the two winningest programs. Yeah, the two winningest programs in college football history. Um, I don't know if that's still accurate. Um, yep, it is. It is. Um, you know, when you pay play for 125 years plus, you're going to rack up wins. Right. But no, and, and then um, USC. I don't know how that one started, but that's a fun one. It all, that's all- really fun. I mean, I feel like you know, I don't. I, I also agree. I don't know exactly when or how that started, but like. Man, for there was a good decade where a lot of the Heisman Trophy winners went through those games. Yeah, <laughs> those games are always just objectively fun. I mean, maybe not in the past couple of years because USC has been down, and I don't know what's going on with that program. They are just a total mess. But they're always fun to watch. And Notre yeah. Dame's not that good this year. So even though they're ranked in the top 10, I think, first college football playoff rankings come out tonight, um, and I'm definitely going to be upset about them. Uh, but Sure. 
yeah, I, I think I think USC could 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 beat Notre Dame this year, even with all the stuff they got going on. So I don't think Notre Dame is very good. Right. Right. All right. So we had a lot of other football. We've got a lot of other football to talk about. Um, let's let's jump to the high school. We had an interesting high school playoff week, uh, very unprecedented. We so we had uh three teams make the playoffs, Zealand East, Zealand West, and Saugatuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, Saugatuck is the lone team standing now. Uh, Zealand East and Zealand West both lost in very last-minute, interesting fashions. Uh, Zealand West lost. Uh, they allowed a, the game-winning touchdown to St. Joseph, you know, within the last minute. And like 12 seconds left, yeah. It's like yeah, 12 seconds. The game. And then uh, Zealand East was down a ton and came back to force overtime on a field goal by Paige Westra and then ended up losing in overtime. And, uh, and then Saugatuck beat uh, Kasopoulos 28 to eight, which was also a little surprising that it was that easy uh, for Saugatuck. It was 20 minutes at halftime. So, I mean, they obviously took control right away. So, um, but let's start, Will, you were at the Zealand East, game at Stevensville Lakeshore yep. where they were down big because of a lot of turnovers. And then they marched back and then only to lose in overtime, just yeah. a really roller coaster of emotions. Take us through how that one was. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was obviously if you're in West Michigan Friday night, you know, it was a very rainy, wet night. Um, Stevensville gets or Lakeshore gets the ball first, go down, score a touchdown. I don't want to say it was easy, but you know, they, they moved the ball down the field pretty easily. I don't know if they had a third down, um, so they go score a legitimate touchdown, go up seven, nothing. Great. Um, Zealand East gets the ball. Going to go score. We're on the 25. Let's go start their drive. First offensive snap of the game. Snap goes over quarterback's head um, into the end zone. Um, he tried to recover it in the end zone, kind of bobbled around a little bit, floated around in the end zone. Steven Zill lands on top of it, scores a touchdown. Um, that's unfortunate for them. Obviously they lost 14, nothing. In the very next Zealand East drive. Um, they go three and out. Then Shea Hunderman is also a punter as well as a running back wide receiver, do everything. Um, he's, he's a shorter kid. Um, snap goes over his head. Um, and he smartly sort of, you know, picks it up and, and runs around a little bit, um, trying to make something happen. But at the end of the day, I think he just took a safety on purpose. Um, just because I'm not going to get the 25 yards I need for a touchdown or, or a first down. Um, if I come out of the end zone and we don't convert, they'll get the ball on the one yard line. So they'll have an easy touchdown. So I'm just going to take the safety and give them two points. Um, so then they're up 16, nothing play. about four minutes into the game. They're Zealand East is down 16, nothing. Um, but credit the Zealand East defense, man, they stepped up so much. Uh, they, they, they gave up a, a pretty good uh, punt return on the ensuing free kick. Um, they were at like Stevensville's have a 20, 30 yard line. Then they just pushed them back. I think they gained negative 17 yards on that drive, kicked them out of field goal range, so they had to punt and get the ball back. Um, Zealand East offense couldn't do much until the second quarter. Um, but then in the second quarter, they scored, you know, I think it was 23 unanswered. Um, they went up, I think they went up 23-16. Um, but then at the end, Stevensville, in the, in the fourth quarter, they scored a touchdown to tie it. Um, I'm sorry, it was 20, 20 to 23. Stevensville took the lead again in the fourth quarter. And then um, – Paige Wester hit a 24 yard field goal. I believe it was as time expired to, uh, to send it to overtime. And the only reason it got to overtime is because Shea Hunterman is an absolute animal. He scored three touchdowns. I think between receiving rushing and kickoff returns, he had well over 300 yards of total, total, total yards. Um, he was the team. Um, and coach Joe Woodruff told me after the game, he's like, yeah, I mean, we went into this game knowing that if we lost this game, it wasn't because our best player didn't get enough carries or touches. So we were going to feed Shea um, right. It, and it worked. I mean, they could not contain this man, um, for anything he scored. And, and when it got to overtime, Stevensville scored on their first possession and, and high school overtimes, you don't know, it's, it's like college overtime, except from the 25, you go from the 10. Um, so you have four downs to get your first and goal. You got to get a touchdown or field goal. Um, and then the opposing team has to match it. Um, so Lakeshore goes in, uh, scores a touchdown on second down. Um, and then, Zealand East is struggling a little bit on offense, gets stuffed a couple times. Uh, then Shea Bay breaks one on, I think it was fourth and two. They're on the two-yard line. Um, he breaks one outside, reaches for the pylon, scores, and everybody's hyped up and everything, but they're holding penalty, get its called back, so now it's fourth and like 12. Um, and they do a little bootleg. Austin Kerr tries to find a, a back who's leaking out on a wheel route. 
and it's just a short pass falls to the ground and they end up losing um, like that. But I mean, it's such a valiant comeback to even, you know, have the mental fortitude to go down 16, nothing in about four minutes and uh, right. you know, still uh, want to power through and still, you know, fight back to, 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 to get back in the game and, and force overtime. I mean, it was, it was impressive. Just, just this sad that, you know, the seniors like Shea Page, Westra, and, um, you know, Tag Bonham and all the other seniors, you know, had to go out as that, that's their final game of their career. Um, right. That holding call uh, that called back the touchdown half in overtime was debatable at, at best, I will say. It was, and I'm obviously an objective reporter. I don't care who wins or loses, but it was, uh, it was, it was iffy. It was iffy. Gotcha. Well, I mean, the Valiant comeback too, that, I mean, like the players you said, I mean, that epitomizes those, like who, Shea and Tag and Page are as athletes and competitors. I mean, yeah. that's that's going out their way, even though it didn't end up being a win. Um, you know, they did their part to bring their rally their team back when against a good team. Uh, yeah, yeah Lakeshore's so, a solid opponent. And then, yeah, so then, so then, instead of having a Zealand East West showdown, the yeah. uh, Stevensville and St. Joe get a crosstown rivalry themselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh they uh so zealand west lost in the final 12 seconds uh last basically last play of the game yep. um you know just another it just, they, it just they just didn't get it done at the end i mean they 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 had their chances they were leading they, they it ended up going back and forth a little bit they uh they had every chance to kind of run that clock out yeah i mean that was a game i sort of going into the east lakeshore game i was like this is going to be a toss-up you know either team could win um obviously after the first four minutes of the game i was like all right zealand east probably has no chance here but they fought back um but that west game like looking at the the, the matchup on paper i'm like west should win by like three touchdowns right so that's why i was like shocked like everybody from the whole east camp that i talked to after the game was like stunned that west lost um it, it was right. just generally kind of shocking to the system to see that they lost the way they did, especially to a team. For like sure. Joe. Especially at home. And then now St. Joseph perennially has a team that makes playoff runs, but, but at the same time this year, they won their first five and then they lost their last exactly. four. Exactly. They were in a funk. That's why it was so shocking to me. Like they hadn't won a game since September, I don't think. So yeah. It and it just was wild that that uh, at home was yeah. – the case and Zealand and for Zealand West, Zealand West over the years is the most poised, experienced, cool, calm, and collected team. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it just, it was very surprising. Um, I, I said that to you the first game of the season I covered, I was covering Zealand West uh, at Grand Rapids Union. And just pregame, like the Union guys were like so hyped up and amped up and ready to go. I'm like, oh my God, Zealand West is going to get stomped. Like these kids have no energy. Um, and then West went out and just absolutely dominated them. Right. And it was just like uh, their athletic director, Jordan Bancher, was like, yeah, no, that's just what we do. We uh, we don't have a ton of emotions. We don't get super amped. We just go out there and handle business. And I was like, yeah, geez, I guess so. Um, yeah. So I guess they, uh, they kept their emotions in check Friday night, but they didn't. Uh, right. Maybe they needed a little bit. Maybe you need a little bit of emotion. Yeah. When you yeah, yeah, I mean, so yeah. it's, a, it's a fair point. But uh, yeah. Uh, but again, that's why we play the games. Right. I mean, you yeah. never know. What's yeah. going to happen? Um, Sagatuck, they uh, they won twenty eight eight over Kasopoulos. Um, they're just having a really good balanced offense with Benny Diaz and Ben Drew and Hartrink, and yeah. they just they're just very efficiently getting it done. Now they're playing White Pigeon again in the next round at White Pigeon. Yeah, and so for those of you who don't know, White Pigeon knocked them out of the playoffs last year and then beat them in Week One this year. Uh, at Saugatuck pretty handily. Now, Saugatuck had six turnovers in that game, so it was a little more uh, lopsided than it could have been. Yeah. I won't say than it should have been because it should be that lopsided if you give up six turnovers. But, you know, they're still definitely clearly going to be the underdog heading into this game, yeah. um, which which can work to their advantage. It doesn't hurt them. That they're, you know, as long as they don't let themselves get intimidated by a team that beat them pretty handily the last two times they played. But Sagatuck also has gotten a lot better since week one, a lot better. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think that that could be a factor where White Pigeon could underestimate them. And anytime you got Benny the Jet Diaz uh, on your team, you got a chance because 
he can break things open defensively. He's kind of like Shebe in that regard, where he can score defensively on special teams, running, catching the ball, whatever. And he can, you know, one of the best sprinters in the country, really, as a high schooler. He can, yeah. he can get, uh, he can get to that end zone faster than anybody else around. So, yeah, um, definitely true. Um, and that's the thing. Like, it's Benny Diaz is obviously the, the, I guess, quote unquote, star of the team. You would say, like, he's the, has the name recognition. He has the the all around just kind of elite talent. Um, you would say it just, I mean, his elite speed is, is well-documented. Um, but I mean, like you said, they're balanced, not necessarily balanced in terms of run pass, but balanced in terms of who gets the ball on the ground. Like Benny had 128 yards in their playoff win over Casopolis, but he didn't score a touchdown. Ben Drew scored two touchdowns and had like 90 something yards on the ground. So like, right. And then they had two other guys Benny score. Killing. Yeah. It's not just Benny killing you. It's, it's three or four guys who, who can all contribute. Um, right. And that's the thing, like a lot of defenses are going to devote more resources to Benny, understandably so, because he's so fast and so good and right. probably the most athletically gifted looking player on the field, just in terms of size as well. Um, so obviously defenses are going to slide towards him, but that opens up holes for guys like Ben Drew or John Hartering to, to get through. For sure. And that, uh, that could be the, that will be the factor one way or another. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it will sur- surround Benny. If Benny can get loose for some, then they got a shot. If he can, if he gets so suffocated by white pigeons defense, because they're all about him and other guys can score, then that could be the factor, you know? So, um, but just their offense will be okay. As long as they don't turn the ball over, can their defense stop white pigeon? Uh, White pigeon clearly, clearly has a size advantage on the line. Um, I saw that firsthand in week one, clearly those some big boys down white pigeon. Um, what, kind so, of, what kind of offense do they run? Do they run like an option kind of thing or are they like spread? It, it's, it's more like a pro set, like just basic. Uh, they run the ball quite a bit cause they got that line just run, run, run. Um, but it's not a, I don't remember it being an option. I mean, they might do some option plays, uh, but I honestly don't remember it being as much of an option thing. I mean, Sagatuck's obviously a full option. Right. They, I feel like they, they run a, you know, they just tra- it's a traditional run first big yeah. 10 style you know kind of a power power eye power like, yeah power eye, but power power run yeah i think they did I, I remember some power eye um with a fullback there so i mean just uh it's if they can stop that they got a shot you know um and but, what's, what's their roster size like because obviously saga tuck's roster is like i mean they got more they got more players than saga tuck does um but it's not uh, it, you don't look and go, wow, they have 50 players in soccer Tech has 20. It's not that bad. You know, I don't think it was that bad, but, yeah. um, but the size on the line was definitely a difference that was noticeable. Um, if, so if, if soccer Tech could be, uh, if soccer Tech's defense can be a little more athletic and counter that size, yeah. that's going to be the, their key. I worry about in terms of roster size is just pretty much everybody on soccer Tech has to play both ways. Um, and if White Pigeon has that luxury where they don't have to play everybody both ways or they only have to play a couple guys both ways, is, I mean, that's going to just make you much more, be- uh, much more, you know, fresh for, for the, the possessions you are out on the field. And, and in terms of just your legs are going to be fresh, your mind's going to be fresh, you're not constantly, like, exhausted. Um, so that could play a big factor if, if they do have that big enough roster to not right. be forced to play both ways like Sagatuck does. Definitely. But no, I'm I'm excited. I believe White Pigeon is undefeated. I think they're ten and zero. Maybe they're ten and nine or one. Um, but they're they're a good team. Unfortunately, we won't be there live covering. We have a sister paper in the area that covers it. So instead of driving the hour and a half down there, we're gonna just you know take take what they have. Um, but they'll they'll do a great job covering it. We'll be covering uh, covering uh, stuff locally here. Um, it's easier to get to. You know get more coverage, yeah. more high school athletes, but, uh, for sure. This is going to be a, this is our busy weekend. This Saturday is our crazy day with the cross country state finals, the conference championships for swimming, the MIAA finals in a lot of, in all the fall sports plus hope football, plus grand Valley football. Plus if black river soccer wins on Wednesday, they'll be in the state finals on Saturday. Uh, that's, that's all Saturday. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of things. So well, I think Friday, there's not a ton no. So it's, you know, it's, just, it's just one of those days we have, there's usually one day like that in uh, the fall, but I think there's actually two, there's like this one. And then it depends on how far your teams go. If you have teams, that, if you've got teams that go far the week before Thanksgiving is really busy too. Cause you could have playoff football playoffs. You got the state swim meets, you got the state finals for volleyball. 
usually hope basketball kicks off that weekend. Uh, and you got a lot of things. I remember my legendary 2014 year where I had was between assistants at the time. <laughs> and uh, Saturday, I sent our intern to cover Zealand West in the state semifinals. I covered the state championship swim meet in the afternoon where Holland's Taylor Garcia became the all-time leading state champion in the history of Michigan in any sport. Then I went to cover the Hope Men and Women back-to-back at DeVos Fieldhouse. And then I watched the live stream of Hope versus Calvin volleyball in the national semifinals in Virginia. And then, so I wrote, did all of that in one day while the intern did the football game. And then the next day I drove to Virginia and Monday I covered the finals when Hope won the national championship in volleyball. (laughs) So that was the most legendary, busiest weekend of my career. I hope I never have to do that again. Not saying that I would mind going to Virginia to watch Hope win a state or a national championship, but that was an awful lot at once uh, to do in uh, in one day. And I will have you know, Will, that that was back when we had a maybe between ten thirty and eleven o'clock deadline, and all of that Saturday stuff made it into Sunday's paper. That's impressive. That which is, is insanity. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it was insane. Oh, and I wrote up the other state meets too that swim meets that I wasn't at. So. Uh, yeah, nothing like a nice five byliner day. Uh, <laughs> um, and then drive to Virginia the next morning. Right? That's, that's, probably, that's probably the worst part of it. That was crazy, um, but it was awesome. So, and Hope won the volleyball championship. If they won, if they lost, I would have really questioned some, <laughs> uh, questioned myself a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, and Zealand West, I think, lost that state semifinal football game, so that uh, eliminated some things. Uh, stuff better man you got to give stuff to your intern yeah well he well the, the state semifinal he had to drive like an hour and a half to get there oh, okay I, so that was that's why i was like that one's out of town i'll take everything in town you go and then uh yeah so uh so we'll have some crazy stuff so black river soccer uh they're in the state semifinals this week mm-hmm. um they were district champs uh i think for the second time in their history they won their first regional game for the first time in history and then won the regional championship, obviously, also for the first time in their school history. First time they won the regional championship in anything. Yeah. Uh, and here, here we are on uh, state semifinals. Now they're playing Potter's House. Potter's House, which beat them 3 nothing earlier, and they got a kid that's committed to Michigan State on their team. Oh. So uh, that's... Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle, but at the same time, they're playing with house's money now, and it's well, soccer. And the thing you know, you could, like you mentioned, it's soccer, and like you know, Potter's house could be winning or, or dominating possession of play and 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 chances on ninety nine percent of the time. Um, you know, all Holland Black River needs is one mess up uh, to go ahead and 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 get the game winning goal. I mean, I saw that at Holland Christian's match uh, the other day when Holland Christian lost the Grand Rapids South Christian one um, nothing in overtime. Um, Grant, Holland Christian dominated every aspect of the game, but they just fell short in, in about a two-minute span. Uh, Did you say that was like their only shot on goal? Yeah, yeah, that's. I believe it was like they had like one or two shots on goal, and that was that was it. Yeah, um, see, you never know. So, but at the same time, like Holland Black River, they were like fine during the real. Like their their overall record, including playoffs right now, is thirteen eight and one. Right. So they have the two district games they won. So the four, 13, four playoff nine, games, yeah, they were nine, eight, and one, right? Like they were fine, but like right. they weren't incredible. They probably barely squeaked into the playoffs. But right. now they're hot, man, and don't mess with a team that's hot. That's you know, you right. lost three nothing to, to Wyoming Potter's House three months ago. That doesn't matter. Who now. knows, right? You're getting you're getting a hot hand right or the hot feet. <laughs> you're getting hot right at the right time, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, like we never would have. I mean, like we would have not been surprised if Holland Christian made a deep run no i would have i expected they were ranked number one we would have not been surprised if holland made a deep playoff run they've done that a lot in the past and they were still ranked even though they struggle with injury they have struggled with injuries this year um so and they lost to the same team that knocked them out last year and i think that ended up in the state finals so it's they they and and holland christian lost to a team that they beat them before also although they dominated this game so they 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 all were playing ranked formidable opponents. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, I did not expect this from Black River. We'll just say um, no, I'm, I'm not is- I'm not surprised they won their district. 
I think that because because I never know what's happening in their district. Their you know like their district can be. It depends on who's in it and who's moved up, but also they're they have like a wild card district all the time. It seems like um, so that's that wasn't surprising, but and and I guess I'm not necessarily surprised they won the regional opener either um, because surprised by who knows who knows, but they, I mean it's they and then I watched them win their regional title and they. Um, I mean, they were up three nothing, ended up being three two. But like, they they clearly was well, funny because like the first 10, 15 minutes, I'm like they're going to get slaughtered because <laughs> the other team was moving the ball. Hartford was moving the ball so well, and they had their forwards and midfielders were extremely fast, faster than anybody in Black River had. Yeah, and so I assumed some some big some big forward passes were going to get by everybody. Yeah. And that happened once and they didn't, uh, I don't know if it hit the post or something or they didn't connect, but then, then all of a sudden, you know, there's a penalty shot and Black River sinks it and then they get a well-manufactured goal right before it happened. And all of a sudden it's two nothing. And you're just yeah. like, wait a second. They just look like they were going to get slaughtered. And now they're up two nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It just takes like, so I mean, Black River, like going into the, even the regional semifinal, I mean, Schoolcraft's a good team, like going into the semifinal, they had won like 11 in a row or something like that. Um, but Black River scored in the first 50 seconds of the game. And I think they had like 80% of possession after that. Like it just, it's just, once you get that spark, you get so much confidence and playing with confidence is so important in soccer. Like I'm not going to pretend like I know much about soccer and like, I didn't, I didn't play soccer a ton growing up, but like, I mean, it just makes sense that playing with confidence would be a huge part of that game. I mean, if you have confidence, you're going to take on a defender and, and, and mess with them as opposed to just like, you know, playing timid and, passing it back to, to someone else. Like you're going to take right. it on if, if you're confident in your ability. And it's just like yeah. you know, people, even Ronaldo goes through spurts when he's like not playing his greatest. And you can tell when he has that confidence, he's playing on top of the world. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, and I don't see any point. How on Black River's confidence should be anything other than sky high right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, they got, it's, they're playing with the house's money now. So whatever, right. like they're, they, they got nothing to lose. I mean, right. like it's, uh, no, I shouldn't say that. I hate when people say that they got nothing to lose. Sure, they do. They got the game to lose. They game but they, lose. there's no pressure. The pressure is not no, there the same way. Like nobody expected Black River to be here. Everyone's just like, all right. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I would say most soccer, high school soccer pundits, if that actually exists um, <laughs> in the world, would be like, no, oh, yeah, Potter's House is going to win handily. Right. Um, and so, like, people are, people are counting them out. Like, they don't have any chance to be here. They're barely above 500 in the regular season. Like, okay, you just got lucky a few times. Like Potter's house is going to win. Who cares? Like go out and go out and play your game. And, and, and right. Well, and if they can, and Kyle Lawton's a really good coach. And if he oh, can yeah. figure out a way to corral this kid going to Michigan state, who knows if they, if he's everything to them. Yeah, that's a thing. And then, and, and, and the other thing is that, you know, that if you have a good coach like Kyle Lawton, you've already seen a team once. Right. That's a huge advantage. I mean, yeah, it was a regular season. It didn't matter, but you saw this team once. You lost three nothing, and you know in that time was Jack Davis is the you know their 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 sort of their, their striker, their their big goal guy who who kind of leads the team from the front. He's a senior. When they played uh, Potter's House the first time, Jack Davis was playing defense. Right. They didn't move Jack Davis up until like halfway through the year, and then they started winning. Right. Well, they had they had uh, an injury. Uh to drew Sotuk and yeah. then they, they kind they of shifted back. everybody around and then they were like, Oh, this works even better. Okay. Yeah. And now they got them both back. Yeah. And now, and then and and it showed, funny. I mean, like they did great. Yeah. So that's so, why, that's why it's, um, it's a different look and it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's a different team. absolutely. Yeah. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Um, Will's extra excited because it's physically within walking distance of his apartment. So, um, which is really cool. You don't get to walk to work. Uh, that often in a situation where you're walking to a game, not just yeah. like walking to your office if you live downtown in a New York City building or something like that. But yeah. um, especially considering I work in Holland and live in Grand Rapids, this is gonna be right. Crazy. Yeah, you don't get to walk to work. Right? That'd be a long walk most of the time. <laughs> so, um, so that's uh, as of this taping. That's tomorrow, um, and uh, we've got uh, a lot of volleyball going on right now. Sagatuck beat Black River in the opener. Uh, district opener last night with Aaron Baker dominating with 18 kills in a sweep. Uh, that's so many kills. Yeah. Um, so 
Uh, and she had the rare trifecta where she had the set. She got the set point, all three sets. Uh, she said she'd never done that before, uh, which is kind of cool to do that in your senior year playoff opener. Um, so yeah, she's, uh, she's real good and they're real good. It wasn't just her. I mean, she's the dominating force on that team and on the, on the, on the floor around here, um, in that district, but everyone else played well as well. And that's good. They're all going to need to do that because tomorrow they play, uh, number one, Western Michigan Christian. So, um, we'll see how that goes. That'll be a, that would be an upset obviously, but at the same time, if, everybody's playing well and, and Baker can kind of have that dominating performance, who knows? Um, and then we've got the rest of the districts happening, uh, tomorrow as well. West Ottawa is playing in a double header to prelude a prelude to Zealand East versus West part three, the revenge. Uh, and, uh, you know, Hamilton's playing tomorrow too. So there's a lot of volleyball going on. Uh, hope Calvin it's hope Calvin week for volleyball too. They just played, um, on Saturday in the, Regular season finale with Hope winning um, again in five sets. They've won both matchups this year so far, and they won the MIAA title match last year. So they've won three in a row in the rivalry for the first time in 20 years. Uh, Calvin has had that several times over that 20-year span, we'll just say. Um, but they also, it seems like Calvin just wins two out of three every year, basically, and it's uh, most years. And that's why their rivalry is so good because they're top 10 teams in the country. A lot of years, they're top five in the country. Uh, we've had several times where they matched up num- where they were number one and number two. That was the best year where they were number one and number two when they played. And then the next week they were one, one and two, <laughs> the opposite. Uh, and then they played again. And I'm pretty sure both times number two won, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, but they're, they're lined up to play each other in the MIAA title game again on, uh, this Saturday, assuming they both win their semifinals on Friday, which would be a huge, huge beyond belief upset if either one of them did not win those Friday matches. Yeah. Um, but it's very exciting for that rivalry to have hope have a little bit of a streak here. Um, you know, it just gives a different dynamic to it. It was it just when it was starting to teeter on a Yankees Red Sox dynamic when the Yankees had all the all of the it was more of a nemesis than a rivalry. You know, then it got pulled back and, you know, hope won a bunch now. So um, the last 10 years, what was that? So like Michigan, Ohio state the last 10 years. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't quite to that point, but they play three times a year. So, yeah. um, you know, but it's, and, and that's not saying that even though Calvin won, I mean, Calvin won so many of those, even in a sweep, they were winning 25, 23, 25, 22, 25, 23. I mean, like yeah. it's still clearly uh, a match that could go either way, even though it was a sweep. So, um, but yeah, three, five setters in a row in their matchups and hopes won all three of them. So, and they went, they won the right to host the MIAA tournament. So that could be a factor this Saturday winner gets the automatic ticket to the NCAA tournament. Although I would say it's extremely a safe bet that both teams are making that no matter what, since they're both top six teams in the, in the country. Um, if they don't, even if whoever wins or loses, if the loser doesn't make the NCAA tournament, there's something wrong with the yeah. system because uh, that's, you know, they're both good. But the winner could host the first two rounds. So that's that could be a big factor as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but there's nothing quite like this rivalry with, I mean, DeVos was packed, man. It was yeah. this Division three volleyball and it was 80% packed. You know, you're talking, you know, over well over 2000 people watching a division three volleyball match. It's amazing. Um, and then it lives up to it and then it lives up to it. That's why I, I mean, Calvin had a football team so much, man. Cause I feel like it was right. Like- right. I mean, the basketball games have those hypes. I mean, yeah, basketball games, I you'll, mean you'll, you'll know this year. You didn't last year. Cause there was no crowds. You can even but, tell though, like even just the players, the way they played was different. Yeah, for sure. So that's, I mean, that's definitely fun. And obviously it helps when in the last, what in the last, 10 years, Calvin's won three national championships and hopes won one. So they're getting it done on the national level. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's, uh, we got that to look forward to, um, hope basketball kicked off their tipped off. I shouldn't say kicked off, tipped off their season on Friday, both of them, uh, with mm-hmm. exhibition games, uh, the hope women, I was all ready for a story about how a loss to this division two Ferris state would be 
good because it doesn't count, but they haven't experienced loss in two years or whatever. And then they went out and they beat Fair State. Uh, so they didn't, so that story angle didn't materialize. Um, but they played really, really well. It was clear that they got still got a lot of that chemistry. Um, Kennedy Schoonville, Olivia Voskel, and Sydney Muller are back for their super senior season, taking the extra NCAA year of eligibility that they granted to everyone affected by the pandemic. And they're ranked number one, and it showed. I mean, they really were in control of that game against a good Division II program. I mean, they're not – I would say they're probably not a great Division II program this year. They've had years where they've been great um, recently, but I'd say they're they're still good. Um, and that they were – hope took it to them. And, uh, but it was just impressive to see that chemistry on display again. Olivia Vasco was fantastic. She had five, five, five blocks and then a double, uh, maybe eight points and eight points and 12 rebounds or 12, you know, something like that. Um, close to a double, double, and then five blocks, very typical Olivia kind of a game, but doing that against the division two program was, uh, extra impressive. Um, they're going to be real good. Their defense is great. Um, they, they still have, even though they lost nine seniors last year, they returned three, but then they still have three more. So they have six seniors this year, um, which is incredible. You would have never guessed that for a team that was going to lose, that lost nine at once. Um, so that's, uh, that was really exciting to see that <clears throat> the fans came out pretty well for them too on Friday. And then the, the men's game was after that. They played on uh, the University of Chicago. And the men's team won pretty handily as well, uh, so which is a good start for them. They look very different from how they have. They have they still have the three-headed monster guard situation going on with Evan Thomas, and Tyler George, and Clayton Dykehouse, but their uh, their front court is going to be very different. They had Jeff Bikas starting and uh, Tanner Wiegrink, who's from West Ottawa. Uh, so that uh, I mean, he didn't even play hardly at all. He, he probably played five minutes last year, the whole year, and now he's a starter. Um, so it's definitely going to be a different year for them, but he's, uh, a very good player. They just had, they had three, three senior, strong senior post players last year, um, that were playing ahead of him. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they look, but they look, they look decent. Um, it was a good game for them. Uh, they honored the late Matt Zanstra before the game. And, uh, you know, uh, it was kind of an emotional start to the season, but, uh, they, they kind of use that as fuel to play like Matt, who was uh, the equivalent, I guess, D, the D3 kind of equivalent of to like a walk-on player at a Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, he he didn't get a ton of playing time on the court, but when he did, he was moving 100% of the time all the time, and that's how he practiced, and that's how he contributed. And uh, that's kind of how Hope played uh, on Friday, so that was good to see. Um, oh, yeah, we got Hope, Hope football team. They won. They're in first place alone now in the MIAA. Um uh, so, uh, will just, I mean, take me through what, what did hope do well? And, uh, you know, they got a couple of big matchups coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So hope, uh, in terms of MIAA play, they've been absolutely dominant. Um, they absolutely, uh, handled, uh, Alma pretty easily 27 to three on Saturday. Uh, is up at Alma, but I was watching it, um, on my laptop while I had an eye on the Michigan mission state game all at the same time. They're taking place at the same point. Um, but no, I, I mean, the offense struggled to get going a bit in the first half. It was uh, only 13 to three at halftime. Um, but their defense was just incredible all game long. The only points um, Alma was able to score was uh, they had a, a they pin, they forced a three and out, Alma forced a hope three and out deep in their own territory um, to force them to punt. It was a little windy, I guess. The punt didn't go that far. Alma's receiver fielded it at about the, 40 something like 45 and ran it back to the 22 yard line. Um, so you're already set up in field goal range um, on that drive. They run three plays, get two yards and kick a field goal. And that's the only time they finished the drive on the 20 yard line. That's the only time they even sniffed the red zone all day. Wow. I mean, hope was hope's defense played incredibly well. Um, offense was a bit of a slog but it was an understandable slog, especially in the first half. I mean, Dan Romano, who's their running back number one, he went down with a, a little injury. He, he was healthy enough to come back in the second half, but he only played the first drive. They had two offensive linemen go down um, in the first couple drives. Um, and, you know, but, but it was just really impressive. That was kind of a plug and play situation because hope was down their top after Danny Romano got hurt. They were down their top three running backs. 
and they were down two starters on the offensive line. So you assume, all right, running the ball is going to be tough today. No, running the ball is not tough for Hope. They finished the game with, um, let's find out, 254 yards rushing, um, gained 4.5 yards in attempt. Uh, Elijah um, Smith was sort of their RB4 coming into the game. He finished the game with 25 attempts, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Dan Romano, who only played the second half, because uh, really he came back in the game late in the third quarter. He had 17 carries for 125 yards and wow. a touchdown. Um, so he's he adds a whole new dynamic to the team. Um, passing passing wise was good. Chase Brown was solid. He threw two interceptions, but Alma is the number one turnover team in the country in all of Division Three. They had like 32 turnovers going into the game, um, but he still threw for 220 yards, which was which was solid. He rushed for a touchdown himself. Um, yeah, all around really really well uh, you know well rounded game in the second half, but that first half of defense was just dominant. Um, they got a tough matchup this week against Albion, who's sort of, you know, without a Calvin, Albion's sort of their their rival in, in football. Um, Albion's a good team. Um, Hope's alone in first place in the MIAA, but Albion and Trident are tied for second, which is who they have these last two weeks of the season. Um, this is also their last home game of the season, unless they host a, a playoff game. So, you know, go out and support which the I Flying doubt. Yeah, I mean, go out and support the Flying Dutchman if you're so inclined. Um uh, to do so this Saturday at one against Albion, you know, senior day, big rivalry um, should be fun. Um, but no, I, I mean, hope has been absolutely dominant. Once they got into MIAA play, they are outscoring their opponents um, 139 to 26 in MIAA play. And they have held opponents to under double digits in three out of their four games. I mean, they're playing absurdly well and and they're scoring a ton of points Um I mean, it's just a really well-rounded team that's really good at football, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's their. I mean, it's theirs to lose now. The MIAA, they're, yeah, they're, they're in position they're, they're now. In they control their own destiny. I mean, they sort of controlled their own destiny beforehand, just because of who was on the schedule in front of them with Albion and Trine. Um, if you beat them, even if they lost to Alma, if you beat Albion and Trine, you still would have, you know, ended the season atop of the MIAA. But now you have a firm like stranglehold on the top spot, and and if you don't mess up, you're going to the playoffs, which would mean second year in a row they they would make the playoffs um, after winning the MIAA in 2019. Obviously, opting to take 2020 off due to COVID. For sure, for sure. And everybody, uh, please disregard the uh, street sweeper outside of my window. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I mean, we've got I mean Grand Valley State football won again also, and. Uh, they're so, closer than I thought they would. They're, they're winning games like 14-6, like 17-9, stuff like that, against teams that they should – or I would think they would be blowing out after what I saw against Ferris State, who's now the number one team in the country. Right, right. So it's uh, – I mean, it's – And GVSU's seven. They're, they're still a top-ten team. Like, they're good. They're right. Not bowls or anything, but I just – you know, you expect a, a, a top-ten team to be blowing out these non-ranked teams, you know. Right. Um, right. Well, and maybe that's showing the, the strength of the GLIAC and maybe they're just yeah. not playing up to their potential as well. So who knows? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So then we got a big week for cross country too with the state finals, uh, the West Ottawa girls, the Holland Christian boys and girls, the Zealand East girls and the Hamilton boys and the Sagatuck boys are all going to state finals for cross country. I think if I said that all correctly, and then there are, Individual runners from Benville, Black River, Holland, West Ottawa boys, uh, Holland Christian, and Holland Christian, and, well, then Holland, Zealand, and the Zealand. Zealand. No, Holland Christian made it for the team, and then Zealand West has a couple of girls too. So uh, every school, I think, if I did that correctly, every school will be re- represented at the state finals for cross country from our area, which is incredible. Yes, um, Black River has a couple of boys, right? And then Saugatuck girls, they have at least one girl going as well. So. Um, that's awesome. Like, I mean, that is incredible when you think about how many, uh, all the teams representing being represented, all the schools being represented at least. So, um, that's incredible. So we'll yeah. see what happens. West Ottawa girls are ranked two going into this in division one. Yeah. Um, I think they finished fourth last year and Ariane Olson finished maybe second as an individual yeah. last year. We'll see how that goes this year. Um, they, they're, they're up against a team from Ann Arbor pioneer that has, consistently been faster this year so we'll see how that goes um but yeah it should be 
Should be pretty exciting down there at Michigan at International Speedway, too. And then we've got the conference championship swim meets this weekend as well, uh, with local teams fighting for that. Westside will try to knock off Rockford, who I think has uh, won the regular season title for for them. And Holland Christian won the regular season title for the green, which is really the rainbow for swimming because there's some extra teams involved. Okay. Um, so, uh, but Zealand also has a shot at winning this meet, and Holland has a couple of you know, swimmers that are definitely capable of winning individual conference titles. So we'll see. Should be pretty exciting. But anyway, that's all, all that stuff we talked basically talked about is happening Saturday. Um, yeah. Except Saga Tuck's playing Friday, but again, Saturday, hope football, Grand Valley football, probably hope versus Calvin volleyball in a third showdown of top five teams in the country. Uh, both conference swim meets, this finals for state cross country in all divisions. And if black river soccer wins, they'll be in the finals for that as well. I don't even know where so, it will be yet. It's right. And that doesn't even factor in the fact Sogtuck's playing Friday. And also that uh, the volleyball did, we could have some volleyball teams win district titles late in the week, but not on Saturday. That also could be playing next week. So yep. lots and lots and lots of stuff. So get out there and see your teams. Uh, they're playing some sport somewhere. Everybody's, everybody's yep, involved somewhere. With something so uh, and we'll have plenty to talk about uh, again next week but uh yeah get out there while we still have uh no snow on the ground yet um which is who knows in michigan so um oh, yeah. but but yeah we will keep bringing you more uh analysis of the action next week uh but uh stay warm and uh go watch some fall sports uh for will i'm dan have a good week